Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. As we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show the president and general manager of the Saskatoon Blades in the Western Hockey League as the WHL playoffs get rolling. We welcome back Colin Priestner. Hello, Colin. How are you doing? Great, Bob. How are you? Good. I was just thinking, what year did you come uh, with Dan Tenser to the NHL draft where uh, you were a, uh, uh, I, I guess, a, what, what would we call you, a, a reporter? I was a volunteer reporter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember interviewing, uh, Tenser told me to get out with the microphone and interview Griffin Reinhardt after he got picked, and he had said that the Islanders were the only team in the NHL who did not interview him. I remember that was a very interesting factoid. Yeah, uh, that was in 2012. Scott Housen and uh, Elliot Freeman wrote about him in 32 Thoughts today. His contract's up with the American Hockey League, but uh, Scott Housen was GM of Columbus at that time, and the Islanders offered Scott every pick in the draft. Every pick, yes, to, I remember that. To uh, to flip two spots in the draft. Uh, well, maybe that was a precursor of things to come. Shows you what I know. I thought Griffin Wright, Craig Button, who we both respect, thought the Oilers should consider moving the third pick in 2014 for Griffin Reinhardt. On the show, he said this. He said that. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of Dan Tenser, uh, and we'll get to the Blade stuff and your team and Connor Bedard and all that. Uh, how's Dan doing? Dan's doing uh, a lot better, uh, you know, for, for fans who didn't uh, know. You know, Dan obviously used to work on uh, Chad and uh, became friends with him in university at U of A, and uh, he's now our head scout with the Blades for the last nine years, and uh, he was involved in a terrible car accident last week on uh, the QE2 just outside of Innisfail, and uh, two cars were totaled after uh, Dan's uh, car hit ice, and uh uh, thank God both uh, passengers, hit, but both himself and the other driver were, were miraculously okay. Uh, both obviously, Dan was obviously shaken up and, uh, um, you know, uh, he's got a lot of bumps and bruises on him. But for the most part, he's uh, he's getting better every day and he's actually coming uh, tonight. Uh, he's flying out tonight to uh, to watch the, the playoffs for us uh, when we play the Pats tonight. So it'll be great to, to see him. And uh, we're all just really uh, fortunate that he's okay and we all spend our winters driving on these brutal roads all over Western Canada to watch these young players, and uh, it doesn't happen as much as you'd think it would, but uh, when it does happen, uh, it's close to home. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, now, how long have you guys had the blades for? Sorry, you cut out there for one sec, Bob. What did you say? I said, Colin, how, how long have you guys had the Saskatoon blades for now? About 10 uh, years? We, yeah, we took over right after the Memorial Cup. Uh, we got the team in September of 2013. Um, and the Memorial Cup, I think, was in May of 13. So we kind of were, were in that kind of rebuild stage, trying to rebuild the team after the Memorial Cup when we first got there for the first four or five years. And I became the GM after uh, Bob Woods, uh, who was our coach GM. Uh, he went to uh, back to the NHL, and I uh, took over uh, the hockey operations uh, about six years ago. Okay. And uh, you guys have had a very good season this year? Yeah, yeah. We hit 101 points, which was great. Uh We'd hit 98 points uh, right before the year before COVID with uh, in Kirby Doc's draft year, and that was uh, where we wanted to get to that year, and just came two points short. So uh, it was fun to hit it last weekend, and uh, I think we've got uh, you know we finished uh, second in the conference, but with the divisional seeding, we're, we're the third seat. Uh, should we advance past the first round, we would get the second seat in the second round. We, we it would reseed, but uh, yeah, I had a great year, really consistent. Uh, excellent team uh from top to bottom we just had really good depths really good goaltending with two guys 
you know, basically playing every other night and, and uh, a great decor that really plays a modern puck moving style. So uh, I think we're, we're built really well for the playoffs, but uh, when you've got Bedard on the other side of the ice, uh, as you've seen, uh, anything can happen. So well, we'll get to- uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a fun series to, to put to the test. Uh, we probably, uh, we, we knew this was coming probably the last three or four weeks and we had a chance to play them twice over the last two weeks. So got a little taste of it, but I'm sure the intensity will be a lot higher tonight. All right. We'll get to Bedard in a second. This show is still called Oilers. Now I got to ask you about Jake Chase on, you made the deal with Brandon to get him. He's got 30 points and 33 games for you. How's he played? Really good. He's, uh, I'd say the first 10 games, uh, you know, when you've been with an organization your whole career and changing systems, uh, pretty dramatically, uh, right in the middle of the year. And we were really hurt at the time up front. So I think he was getting put in different spots. We tried him at center and do both wings. But, uh, once he got those first eight to 10 games behind his belt, uh, under his belt, he's been outstanding. Uh, he's really fast. Uh, he's an unbelievably good kid, as I'm sure everyone's heard. He was one of the four, uh, young men in Brandon who, uh, helped, uh, distressed, uh, guy on the bridge there and, and it was a bit of a national story where you know a lot of people would have driven by and, and jake is one of those guys that said no we gotta we gotta help this man and and uh and that's just what he's like around the room and he's got he's got some power i think in his game if he fills out he's probably 170 175 pounds at six two so there's quite a bit of filling out to do there but i think he's got the mechanics to become uh, a really good pro and uh he's got the speed and and the uh the hands to do it as well. We're joined by Colin Priestner. He's president GM of the Saskatoon Blades. All right, you're going to help me out with the pronunciation here. Aiden Della Gordier, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Close. Della Gorgondier. It's, oh. uh, it's been a tough one for announcers for five years, but uh, <laughs> Della is what everyone calls him. Uh, it's pretty fun to go to some road buildings that never see uh, us if you're in the other conference and you put a wager on what they're going to say when the when he gets a point. But uh, yeah, Della Gorgondier is how you say it. Uh, and he's had a, a good year. For Is he a guy that's getting some NHL interest as a potential unsigned 20-year-old? Definitely, yeah. I think he had 65 points in 65 games as a defenseman and kind of had that pace last year, and we lost him uh, two months before the, the, uh, the playoffs started to a, a shoulder surgery. So, you know, we really missed him last year in the playoffs. And now that he's healthy, uh, showing what he can do, he's a power play quarterback, very cerebral. He's been our captain for two years. And, yeah, there's been, you know, nine or ten NHL teams that have been asking about him. And I think if he has a real good playoffs here, I think there's a great chance that he gets a contract. And there's not a lot of guys that can, you know, put that point of game uh, pace up and uh, he's six feet tall so he's not not even undersized anymore so uh, really hopeful for him uh, that he gets something here over the next couple months all right Colin let's get uh, to the elephant in the room for you guys uh, Connor Bedard I mean I would suggest you I don't think I've ever seen a guy uh, he's he's mastered that stick like the way he can change his release yeah. point launch point on the shots and the whip that he gets on it and I mean he is as he's an offensive genius um you guys have in a couple games you've you've completely shut him down one game he was minus five against you um but he's been great for your league hasn't he oh unbelievable i mean i was joking around with someone calling him a one-man covid relief fund because every time he comes to everybody's rink you know you sell out and we we don't like having a generally speaking the fifteen thousand seats isn't needed for a junior hockey building anywhere really especially uh, in 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 Saskatoon and we we would be fine with a 
seven or eight thousand seat building and but these last few games we sold you know close to we sold out with fourteen thousand seven hundred seats sold both games when he came and it's just kind of a fervor that develops i think it really started at the world junior we played them once before christmas i think we had the 500 but i think uh you know what he did at the world junior kind of convinced everybody from whether it's saskatoon or even from the outlying areas like about and wash them and we we us two of our last three games of the year at home and they were both uh you know every time he touches the puck it's an interesting phenomenon like you know i've seen mcdavid live a bunch of times and, and it's it's a little bit similar if mcdavid's on the road but even more amplified because he's so much better than everybody else that he you know the crowd is silent when like he has the pocket like they kind of gasp and it's it's kind of an eerie feeling when when he comes over the blue line because you sense that every person there is is fixated on what he's doing, whereas anybody else who has the puck, I mean, it's a normal play. You, you kind of watch and you eat your hot dog and you watch the game, but it's like they're fixated on him, and, and it's really hard not to get sucked into that uh, the opposition. So we've, we have shut him out twice, and he also had a his first game back for the World Juniors. We played him, and he absolutely uh, uh, annihilated us. I think he had five or six points that night, and he was unstoppable. So we we know he can take over a game, and you know you can be up three one and out shoot him and one shift later it's three all so you have to be aware of that and and you can only really hope to contain them uh, you know as best we can i think it's is it not being broadcast i don't it's i don't know if it's over the air on tsn but it's available you know via the web or whatever we haven't had anything from tsn about going uh you know with their national kind of launch yet we kind of thought that might have been a possibility but as of now we haven't that's not going to be happening for the first couple games you know if we get to a game five six or seven maybe that changes but uh yeah they can go on whl live and watch it or if tsn plus has it great uh uh but uh yeah there's certainly a ton of interest i think we're we're over ten thousand seats sold for tonight and for sunday already so um you know with the walk-up we'll probably be in that 11 or twelve thousand range which is uh great for our players to get the chance to to again play in front of big crowds and um you know the it'll be i think a lot more uh i think we're gonna have to expect a, a more intense and uh you know focused bedard than we saw the last two games just when you know the, the standings were already in place and there wasn't as much to play for i think we got to expect world junior mode from him and and not be too deterred if he you know he does have a few shifts where he goes out and does something special all right, I got to ask you a couple questions about where the league's at right now. I mean, it's a completely different Western Hockey League than, you know, the 1980s WHL, where you know the Prince Albert Raiders were one of the tough. You know, don't tell the new Westminster Bruins of the 70s this, but you know, it used to be real tough, hard-nosed hockey. There's an emphasis on skill. Uh, I, I know that fighting is basically going to be eliminated in Quebec. There were some pl- uh, political pressures that play. They took a significant cash handout from the Quebec government, so they were beholden uh, to the government. It is a, a very different time in the WHLO, Colin, isn't it, than it was 25 or 30 years ago? For sure. I mean, uh, my dad is a goalie in the WHL back in his young years, and uh, he played for the Kamloops Chiefs. And I remember hearing stories growing up about just in warm-ups, the other team would line up at the red line and fire pucks at his head. He was the, he was a goalie, and they would that was just the that was the welcome to the those days. So, uh, I mean, yeah, things have certainly changed. See the big balls anymore, and you know when there is fights or one off, this year as a team. I mean, we don't really believe in it. Our actually, our head coach was was. A, a big fighter in junior as a small guy that would kind of do anything for his team, uh, Brendan Sonny. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't believe in fighting at all. He doesn't want our guys to fight. And, you know, he knows what 
CTE is all about, and he knows what can happen with these fights. And you know, being a former fighter, and he he really doesn't like to see it as well. So, we would be a team probably on the other end of the spectrum than the older school teams uh, out there that uh, um, you know want to keep fighting the game. I mean, I for my for my money, I mean, we have student athletes. These aren't professionals; they're teenagers. Um, and, and other sports are very physical football, basketball, you got physical sports where the guys are in their faces all, you know, all game and all night and they don't have to, you know, resort to any fist fights. So different story a little bit in the NHL, I think with being professional athletes and being paid. Um, but for me, I, I don't see any need for it, but it's still a part of the game. So as, as long as it is, then, uh, we'll, you know, we'll be a, a lower end fighting team in terms of the number, but, uh, I don't see any huge reason to, to have fighting in junior hockey, but, uh, I'm probably in the minority on that. I would say in, in the, out of the, the teams in the, in our league. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Colin, best of luck uh, coming up in the WHL playoffs. There's a lot of people that think that Connor Bedard wants to play uh, for the World Hockey Championships uh, for Canada, so I have a feeling you guys would like to expedite that in happy to get him out of the series in four or five games and on his way. So good luck, all right? Thanks a lot, Bob. See you soon. You bet. That's Colin Priestner. He's the president and general manager of the Saskatoon Blades. It is 149 in Edmonton. We'll wrap up Oilers now with this day in Oilers history, and it involves one of the Oilers Hall of Famers. You can text us on the Ashley Five Floors text line. Southern fan land, says Bob. I think I know how many Oilers fans feel about Connor McDavid's hit on Mikey last night. Karma's a... You know what? Yeah, I don't think everybody was that disappointed. I mean, you never want to see a guy get hurt. Uh, I didn't like how, what what Anderson did to uh, Leon Dreisettle in Game 6 last year. We'll head off to uh, Oilers now. The stay in Oilers history for New West Travel. Again, you can fly a private charter to a five-day golf getaway in Pinehurst, North Carolina. In October, details at newwesttravel.com. We're going to go back to list date 1985. Here's Brendan Escott. Paul Coffey uh, picks up a hat trick and two assists while Wayne Gretzky adds five points of his own. The Oilers dump the Blackhawks 7-3 in Chicago. Mark Messier and uh, Mark Bergevin, who I saw last night yeah. up there in the rafters, they dropped the gloves in the second period of that game. Bergie was tough and was not a huge guy. He's a sharp dresser, eh? Ever notice that, Brendan? Like he's certainly he's got it going on for sure, and yeah. he's he's buff too. Like he's obviously still in the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still in pretty good shape. All right, Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight. What's he got shaking? Fluid show? or It's looking like a fluid show. Yeah, you betcha. All right, uh, here's the deal. Tomorrow, we've got the Edmonton Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks, the face-off show with Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Jack Michaels, Cam Moon, Brendan Escott, myself. We'll begin at 6.30. I'll join Brendan uh, and Reed at 6.35 at Studio 99. Jack's got the call of tonight's game, or tomorrow night's game, 8 p.m. puck drop. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Brendan Escott will have you uh, on Monday with Oilers Now, as I'll be flying with the Edmonton Oilers down to SoCal. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then Chelsea on Chad with Chelsea Bird. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. 